0: Hello, and welcome to episode 60 of the Arena Regulars podcast. I'm Zach. And I'm Jeff. And we're your source for weekly drunken Magic the Gathering arena content.
1: Yeah, basically we're regular dudes drinking irregular beers, and we're talking about Magic the Gathering, in particular the online client MTG Arena.
0: That's right, and this is one of our favorite episodes. We get to do this every time a set is ending. It is our Crimson Vow happy hour special. Yay! Yay! Basically, where we talk about all the happy things about Crimson Vow, and not the sad things. We might talk about sad things.
1: some of the sad things, but mostly positive.
0: Yeah. Uh, But first, each week, we both bring a beer, we drink Jeff's, then drink mine, rate them on a scale of Bronze to Mythic, and choose the best for last. So with that, what is on tap?
1: All right, we're continuing our tap takeover from Shacklands Brewing Co. They specialize in uh, Belgian-style beers. And so today, I brought Daystar. Which is a Belgian blonde ale. This one kind of caught my eye immediately on their website, so um, <clears throat> I was curious how they did the Belgian style in just a typical ale because Belgians kind of known for big flavors and often high octane beers. So I really wanted to try this one.
0: Uh, I also enjoy the can quite a bit.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think they had two, and I liked the the art on this one better, so I went for this one. <laughs> Boom!
0: Classic classic it is 4.8 uh so nice uh you know chill one for this happy hour
1: good starter beer
0: yeah good starter beer exactly (laughs) you just you wait um (laughs) anyway we have some magic news uh this weekend was the first competitive alchemy event which was the arena open um Mm
2: -hmm.
0: or i guess this last weekend and it seems to go pretty well i i didn't play in it jeff did you play in it
1: i did actually. Ooh. Okay. Yeah. And I practiced what I preached, prot preached. And, uh, (laughs) I decided I was going to enter it twice at most. And I entered it twice and I did not day two, unfortunately. But what I did was I just went over to, uh, star city games and I found a article by Brad Nelson and copied the deck list that he recommended, which was Esper control. Hmm. And this was, uh, I believe Andrew Cunio's list was one that he copied. So it's like a copy of a copy, but eventually it gets back to uh, NPL, you know, control mastermind, Andrew Cunio. I always mm-hmm. trust a control deck that he built. The only problem is I was playing best of one and the decks probably built for uh, best of three. Mm-hmm. Um, but we've talked about why we like best of one in these formats and, and all that. And I just, I knew that going in. I was like, you know what, whatever. I'm going to play, uh, I want to play this control deck. And I got to six wins, six and two. So I had the win and in on my, on my very first run. And I don't know if you've played like best of one, if this is just a best of one thing or if this is a new alchemy thing. Uh, but have you seen this blue red mill deck? Because no. Okay. So it's just a blue red deck that has like four ruined crabs. Then all the blue mill spells. And then all the red ways to copy. Shared.
0: Oh, wait. I have seen this. Yeah. <clears throat> I didn't think I it was heard a real deck.
1: rumblings of it at the beginning of the format. But then... Or no, at the beginning it's standard. Not even in alchemy. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I didn't think it was a real deck either. Anyways, my control deck can basically not beat this thing. Because uh, <laughs> there's nothing really you can do when they copy Tasha's hideous laughter. And our win cons are just too slow to win the game before they inevitably do, do something. that wow so it's a horrible matchup anyways i lost all three games to this so when the win and win co- win and in comes and i see the stupid like blue red snarl into uh, the fucking crab and yeah. i was like no <laughs> there go all my chances so um, you didn't just immediately every see the other crab deck I and got, like it, just
0: scoot oh yeah
1: <laughs> almost i mean the guy goes like crab uh untap crab evolving wilds, and I was like, oh fuck me. <laughs> I guess I lose. <laughs> uh, Which but. seems so bad, but you know. I don't understand. Like, how did they get past creature decks? Like the deck seems unable to beat any of the aggro decks. So and it's best of once. I don't understand, but it sure beats the crap out of the blue-white control decks. So.
0: <laughs> oh that's so funny
1: and it was, my second run was lame it was just three and three and uh, you know bummer. i don't think i played that well and, and didn't get lucky so yeah so that's how that one went but the first one i was so close <laughs>
0: <sighs> what a bummer well um i hope you had fun playing this weekend uh, i didn't play the event i was just kind of burnt out from the the last kind of uh weeks of, of playing yeah, yeah, so
1: <laughs> you played in that mega decathlon.
0: Yeah, so I was I was a bit tired from that, but um but it seemed fun. I think everybody was fairly happy. There were normal complaints about alchemy's stuff, which is just every format of magic. So um
1: yeah, yeah. And I was happy with, you know, I had fun, I was happy with how things went given that. That's the first time I've played alchemy in I don't know, a month or something, you know, because of the break and all that. Um so I was, I literally just copied a deck list and hopped in blind. Yeah, that's <laughs> and, great. Uh, seems like maybe my deck choice wasn't the best because of all these damn blue-red <laughs> mill decks that mm-hmm. everyone was playing. But <laughs>
0: yeah, rough. Um, but yeah, great. Um, anyway, Jeff, I think let's just jump right into this happy hour here. Let's do it. Uh, yeah. I think everyone basically knows what a happy hour is, uh, mm-hmm. as we mentioned it earlier in this episode. Um <laughs> But yeah, we like to take some time at the end of a set to think of the good things that it had, and uh, while everyone tends to focus on the bad things that were going on, um, also just, you know, a fun time to reflect on some things we might have thought at the beginning and may not have uh, stayed the same throughout our experience of this set. Um,
1: Yeah, exactly. We're just kind of looking back on a set, how we feel about it at the end of it. And we try to be positive, basically.
0: Yeah. Um, Our first Sips episodes uh, always relate to this one, so if you want to hear our predictions, go uh, check out that one. I think it's episode 53 or something like that. So, But first, big picture. Uh, Crimson Vow is the conclusion of our Innistrad quote-unquote block that we had of the two sets back-to-back. And I think it's fairly safe to say for the limited environment, it was bomb-heavy, bomb-centric, considered a yeah. prince set i think that's what they i don't call know it. if we've
1: had one of these in a while yeah you know, i was trying to think about that it felt it felt like it's been a while since the rares were this powerful yeah uh, in limited that was definitely a change of pace because sometimes you just could you just never knew your opponent could have something that was pretty much unbeatable i remember the first draft i played i got the Toxril slug mm-hmm. uh pack one pick one And I read it, and I was like, what the hell is this? All right, well, the whole draft is going to be about surviving until I cast this card, so I just took every black and red removal spell. So I had a black-red deck, but it was like black-red control to stall to Toxril, and I got seven wins off it by just playing (laughs) Toxril. The card just was unbeatable if they didn't immediately kill it, Yes. and obviously I didn't play it into open mana, so yeah
0: um it's a really gross card um but (laughs) it's not
1: even the best rare in the set no
0: there's a ton of them and uh so some people talk i don't know we haven't really talked on the show about this before but sets tend to be i don't know people consider them a prince or a popper set which is really like is it like do the rares matter a lot in the limited format or do like the commons on commons matter a lot um yeah and with a lot of sets that we've had recently, and specifically Midnight Hunt, a lot of it was common-centric, because if your deck worked really well and had the good synergy, it uh, you had a good draft, and this one was, hey, if you have a bomb and they don't have removal, you win. Um, which, I think some people think of print sets to be very, um, like, bad. I don't know, bombs are like, oh, it's a bad draft format because there's bombs. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I definitely started out thinking that, being like, oh, man, there's, like, so many unbeatable bombs. This is crazy. But then the more I played, the more I was like, no, it's really fun because there's so many cool cards you get to play. Because there are, there's enough bombs that it's like, sick, you have one, I have one probably, we'll duke it out. Right,
1: everyone has good cards. Yeah, I mean, (laughs) I was definitely going to say that because I noticed that, too, that, It has a bad connotation, Baami or Prince, Mm -hmm. and it kind of always has. Uh, I think the set that really changed my mind was, or that made me think twice about that was, uh, um, what's the one where all the Planeswalkers are in the set? Origins. It's literally all Planeswalkers. There's like
0: oh, War of the Spark.
1: Yeah, yeah, War of the Spark. That was a huge bomb format because of all the Planeswalkers, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, And then even the non-Planeswalker cards were awesome, but I still just really enjoyed that format. Um, And so I remember thinking, well, maybe just because the rares are dominant doesn't make a format bad, you know? Yeah. And all it does is kind of sort of increase variance, maybe. uh, And variance is like a reason we play the game. We wouldn't play this game in particular, if there was no variance at all. Mm -hmm. So just shifting the variance one way or another, like you said, it creates a few more feel bad moments, but it also creates a lot of feel good moments of just like awesome stuff happening. Yeah. Uh, So yeah, whether it's a prince or a pauper doesn't actually mean much. And I think the narrative that prince is bad is generally pushed by like the top end drafters who want to get as much edge as they possibly can. So variance is a bad thing for them. And, you know, just if you just always pick good commons, then you'll win more. That's good for the players who play a lot and are the top players. Exactly.
0: And know right. which ones they want or, or building specific decks. They're more so likely they
1: to get the commons, right? Cause exactly. The commons. There's more of them.
0: Um, but I have... For the
1: average arena player like you and me, I mean, print sets are fun too. I think it's good to switch it up every once in a while. Sometimes yeah. have a set. Every once in a while, throw in a set where the rares are just awesome.
0: Like yeah. this one. I definitely think that as far as drafting, I probably drafted this set more than any other one this whole year. Um, Which I don't know if it's because maybe I have more time because it's holiday time or whatever, but I just find myself (laughs) wanting to draft this. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I just wanted to draft it constantly. And I know I say that about almost every set. But um, <laughs> it just it, every happy hour is literally just me talking about how much I drafted the set. But uh, I think, I really do think this one specifically I had a, a lot of fun, and it felt like it. my idea of what the draft format was going to be changed uh, so much throughout the, the period of time playing it that uh, I was happy I stuck with totally. it because at the beginning I was really down on it. Like, oh,
1: I'm going to do badly, I think. I think I drafted Midnight Hunt more than this. So that was my highest drafted set of the year probably, but uh, it wasn't because I didn't like this one. I just, you know, started exploring alchemy and having fun with that and then uh, had a little less time to play during the holidays and whatnot. So, but I didn't burn out on this set or anything. I actually still like it.
0: Yeah. Um, I played a couple drafts this weekend just to see what was going on with it again, just to, you know, refresh my mind and I did badly, but it was fun.
1: <laughs> right there you go. and see any any draft format where you can like do poorly and still have fun, or any fo- magic format in in general, I guess is is one you want to stick with because uh, you know, you do a lot of losing in this game. That's just true. But, you know the best players in the world still lose like thirty five, forty percent of the time.
0: Yeah, so. exactly. Um, I actually was <laughs> working hard the last draft I did. Ended up being like a blue-white auras deck. Um, but it was like a mix between auras. And then I ended up drafting four Whispering Wizards, which is the one that cares about non-creature spells, um, where you get like the one-one oh, yeah. one spirit <laughs> token. Because nobody would yep. take them. And I was like, well... Um, Isn't that
1: card good? I, I like that it's,
0: card. It's really good, right? And I, I had passed a couple thinking that there was something else I needed more. And almost every creature in my deck was one of the aura creatures. So I was like, well... I get to play the aura and then get a creature that could play another aura on it. it Seems pretty fun. Um, and with There's that a draft, card I...
1: similar to that in, in Ravnica.
0: Yeah, in the, the, um, the bird one. That card one was
1: like a mythic uncommon, and that's it. Yeah, and that one was a 2 5, so it was harder to kill, but still.
0: Yeah, instead of this good? 3 2. Yeah, it's, it's really good. So um, I was really happy with that, especially because I pack one, picked one um, by invitation only. So I was like, oh, I'm definitely ha- going to have more creatures than them. Sack
1: some birds, you sack yeah. everything.
0: Which ended up being great because I could just hold that in my hand and, like, you know, keep my creatures or half my board alive for the most part. Um, and that card is one of the only cards that gets rid of Averbrook Caretaker, which I ran up against a lot of times for some reason in that draft, of course. <laughs> but people really hate it when they play their unbeatable bomb and you play the only card in the set that can kill it. <laughs> So
1: I know, but and then it's like sometimes I get mad about stuff like that, too. I'm like, mm -hmm. that's the only card. And then I'll have to take a step back and be like, all right, well, I still I still played a ridiculous fucking card. Like, I don't. (laughs) It's not like I earned a victory there. It's just
0: (laughs) it was nice because by invitation only went up in my picks very quickly because it was that card that could be Averbrook Caretaker, which is the card you want to open when you start drafting. Uh, yes basically so
1: yeah i think so yeah like I green's think. not the best but that card is so good that even though green's probably the worst color uh, it's still the, it's just it's, like unbeatable yeah and you want to be in red green with that card anyways which is you know fine
0: so yeah had fun with that i liked the spirit aura thing in this uh this set but you know through the whole our whole drafting thing um Black Red Blood still seems to be the best deck.
1: Yeah, I mean, it was sort of touted as the best deck in week one. You know, very quickly, everyone was like, all right, I guess Black Red's the best. And usually the week one best deck is not the best deck at the end of the season, but here we sit, and even according to 17 lands, Black Red's still the best. Still the best.
0: Um, I do want to mention that the best deck isn't Black White. That's... Weird. Why?
1: Well, well it's because hmm. people didn't really learn how to draft it, I think.
0: Yeah, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it, yeah, for yeah, sure.
1: It yeah, <laughs> It wasn't just that I drunkenly predicted it would be without reading all the cards in the set. <laughs> or Wait. really any of them. <laughs> you didn't read
0: all the cards in the set? That's crazy. You have to read every <laughs> if single card. I'd known how
1: clunky the white-black cards were, I wouldn't have picked it. But.
0: I mean, there, it, it can be a good deck, but it's definitely not... Um, not the best one uh
1: no no it's aggressively (laughs) mid-pack it's like as mid-pack as it gets
0: yeah (laughs) though you know once again we do have to give applause to crimson vow for you know a vampire set making the best werewolves
1: good job good job yeah but to be fair the vampire's deck is also the best one so they they did write that wrong
0: that's true okay that is true i still can't believe that that happened i can't i can't believe that (laughs) <laughs> the good werewolves were not in the werewolves, set.
1: But you know, honestly, if they, if they just put a few of the cards that were in Crimson Vow had been in Midnight Hunt instead, the narrative would be totally different, right? Yeah. Just like, you know, what even if this uh, alchemy card we were talking about the alchemy, uh, werewolf, like if Rihilda. that had just been a card in in Midnight Hunt, maybe Red Green Werewolves is the better build of Red Green in Standard. Yeah. And then it makes a standard splash and then put one of the like decent comments from this set. in, And then maybe red, green werewolves isn't by far the worst deck in the limited format, you know, just a couple of the cards from this set should have been in the previous one.
0: Yeah. It's so, it's so interesting how that all happened. I don't, I'm interested to know how, who was part of which team and how they decided to put fateful absence in the wrong set and all that kind of stuff. Like it's so, (laughs) it's so strange. Mm -hmm. Um, but anyway, uh, I don't want to talk too much about that because I don't know anything about it. Um,
1: <laughs> Let's just speculate forever.
0: Yeah, that's fun. You know what else is fun? The green-black Nicki Minaj deck, which is <laughs> big butts.
1: The Anaconda deck?
0: The Anaconda deck. <laughs> the Anaconda deck. Um, <laughs> it's the super base. Uh, right. I just, every, it pained me drafting every time looking at those cards go by and knowing I couldn't take them because they weren't good enough.
1: Every I don't time. think I ever drafted this deck. Like, the only time I drafted black-green, it was just black-green good stuff. And my s- creatures tended to have high toughness, but I definitely wasn't doing any of the high toughness theme. Oh,
0: <laughs> it's so fun.
1: I know you played it enough to, to even us out there. but
0: Well, when <laughs> I say played it enough, I mean I played it once. I went three and three, and I had a fucking blast. Um, but I never oh, drafted great. again yeah. because I didn't, want to, uh, I didn't want to gamble every time. Being like, am I going to get a good one? Or is my matchup going to be slow enough that I can maybe win? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Oh, gosh.
1: Yeah, I guess the other deck I wanted to point out was blue-black. Because there's a lot of hype around it coming in. Mm -hmm. Um, And it ended up being pretty bad, I think. And we figured out pretty quickly that it wasn't that good. I think my second draft ever, I did the blue-black exploit. And what on paper should have been a great deck just felt so clunky when I was playing it. And I think Mm -hmm. I played it to like a three, three or something uh, or four, three. And I remember being surprised that I got that many wins because the deck was so, I got lucky to, to win that often. Yeah. If you, if I just looked at the deck list before the draft, I would have thought this is a good example of a blue, black exploit deck. And then playing it out, it was just like, wow, this is bad. Like everything costs one more mana than it should. Uh, like the exploitability is not powerful enough to actually sack a real creature. So you know, I always have to make sure I have something to sack. Mm-hmm. It's like setup and not that much payoff.
0: It again was kind of like, oh, exploit is good for this. Um, it's a nice mechanic that has certain cards that are good, but you shouldn't build a deck around it. Very similar mm-hmm. to one of the mechanics of the set that was brand new as we move into that was Cleave. Which, Mm -hmm. once again, was a card. I mean, it was an ability that you didn't build decks around, um, but had cards No, I was going to
1: say, in our tier list, I didn't notice five-color cleave anywhere in there, actually.
0: Yeah, we did predict that that was also going to be one of the best uh, draft (laughs) decks, is five-color cleave. Um, (laughs) Which, uh, well, you know, I never tried to build it, to be fair. You know, I never gave it a shot.
1: Yeah, maybe it is the best deck. It could be. We, we just have uh, no data
0: on it. Exactly. No one is talking about five-color cleave. Come on, people. Let's, let's get yeah. building. Um, but no, uh, I, I think that looking at exploit like cleave is like, hey, this is, there's just cards that are good that have this ability. Don't build your deck around it. Um, might be totally. closer. Because it's like, yeah, I want to play some of the exploit cards, but I'm pretty picky about them. And certain exploit cards don't go in the exploit deck. It's like the the one that gets an instant or sorcery back. It's like I like that in more of my spells decks or some of my other ones, but
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, not necessarily in my blue black. Sack one your the burn time. tokens. Yeah,
1: I think Cleave was uh, also a mechanic definitely aimed at constructed. Mm-hmm. And th- this was—it's <laughs> so funny to think back on things, but this was by far the most controversial mechanic. Do you remember everyone was blowing up about? Cleave? Oh my gosh! Uh, <laughs> and. I think in the end, when I play with it, it just feels pretty natural. Um, like, in the event that I played the um, arena open,
2: mm-hmm.
1: I had a bunch of copies, or two copies, of uh, what's it called? Paralyzing Grasp, I want to say.
0: Yep. It, yeah. deals,
1: it drains three from a human, and you have to pay an extra if it's not human. And, I don't know, that card just felt totally normal to cast it. It just kind of felt like when you get used to kicker cards, and you immediately, you know, like... You click way too fast and the options barely even have time to flash up before you've already done it. it. Mm -hmm. And it's not Kicker because you literally can't cast the spell if there's not a target, right? So it's not, that card is an example where Cleave and Kicker are different because Mm -hmm. the card wouldn't really make that much sense. Like you could do it, you could say if the spell wasn't kicked and the creature isn't human, like you can't target it or something.
0: Yeah, or, it's or like, something weird, but... You
1: could, I guess you could do it, at kicker one black, and instead destroy any creature. But it would be a really awkward kicker design, whereas it's a natural cleave design.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: so I would say cleave in the end is... I don't know what all the fuss was about. It feels pretty normal. It just the cards do read a bit awkwardly.
0: Yeah, but the thing is, they read awkwardly when you're first looking at them, but then... After playing with exactly. it and in client. You're
1: not reading the cards anymore anyways. You know what they do if they're in your deck yeah. most of the time. And so you just totally internalize what the card does. And, and then the mechanic ends up being pretty natural. It's just like I can do these two things depending on the situation at hand. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas Kicker was usually like, if I have more mana, I do the better thing. This yeah. was like, even if I have more mana, if it's a human, I'm still going to only spend two mana on it.
0: exactly yeah that's really true it's also funny because you know wizard spends a lot of time trying to jam as many words onto cards as possible and kicker is an example of jamming more words onto cards
1: cleave is a a, example of them trying to take words out of cards i think we should be it's a way to do designs that would be clunky if they were kicker built on kicker right yeah, they're more natural with Cleave.
0: And not only that, just we should be happy that Wizards is taking words out of cards. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. Oh, you mean like the mechanic literally? Removes yes, words. the
0: the, the yeah. mechanic literally <laughs> yeah. removes words. I thought uh,
1: you were saying like they can save space by being more efficient in their. Well, that too. Wording,
0: yeah, that too. <laughs> but uh, but literally taking words off of cards is good.
1: <laughs> and you know, as as we mentioned before, that uh, it is also fundamentally different from kicker because with kicker if a spell is double black you can't change that with the kicker cost Mm -hmm. but there's examples of cards that you know they're double black if you don't cleave them and they're only single black if you do Yeah. So then it changes the nature of that card
0: so kicker is not every mechanic get it in your head (laughs) um but uh but yeah, cleave I cleave uh, every mechanic. Cleave every yeah, that's the new mantra. Cleave <laughs> is every is mechanic. Cleave. Everything because is cleave can now. can do
1: pretty much anything with cleave. You
0: want yeah. to. <laughs> oh. But yeah, moving on, we also got a new mechanic which is training. Um which is wah, wah. Wah, rah, rah, rah. Hey, remember how mentor training was training. boring? Training is also pretty boring.
1: <laughs> I was kind like, I don't want to say excited, but I was like, this feels like it's fixed Mentor. And in yes. the end, it just feels like, I don't know, was it different than Mentor? Whatever. <laughs> like,
0: yeah. The yeah. only time I, I kind of liked it was that they had the, um, you know, the fear of death. What was that blue enchantment that would, um, uh, it was like minus X minus O equal to the number of cards in your graveyard and it would mill you. It yeah. was like the blue mm-hmm. removal spell. I- I thought it was kind of interesting that you could, it was annoying when your opponent was playing training cards because if you put the fear of death on a training card, it would continue to get counters, even if it wasn't dealing any damage to you. So um, it digs itself out of that hole. I thought that was kind of a little cute thing between them, Um, but that was the last time I thought about. um, Then they
1: exile your graveyard and have a huge creature.
0: Yeah, maybe. Uh, it's a weird plan, but uh, but yeah, I, I, I did kind of like that. Those were in the same set together, and they played. Uh, it was like a secret how they play, to, or they don't play well together. It was like weird strength for the training deck. Um, whenever I started running into yeah, it, well, it needed
1: all the help it could get. Exactly, that, that's why the training deck we put it above the the green blue deck. So
0: yeah, <laughs> <laughs> well, green blue is just the worst color combination. Everybody knows that. It's horrible.
1: Yeah, we don't we don't accept Simic folk around here. Just kidding. If you guys like Simic, you can still listen.
0: Yeah, I guess.
1: <laughs>
0: yeah. Um, <laughs> you need to have more fun. Yeah. Um, <laughs>
1: but yeah, <laughs> I don't know if tr- the cards were just not pushed, like the training cards. Maybe they overvalued the training mechanic in design and the cards were just kind of not good enough or it just didn't work for... You know, complicated reasons that have to do with, you know, how many cards are in a set. Or if just something has to be the worst and this was just it. But training felt like it never mattered. <laughs> yeah. Except in, like, really rare circumstances.
0: It only mattered if something cared about you training onto it. So, like, the the gold card that cared about putting plus one, plus one counters and stuff, it got lifelink. That was a big deal. Um, mm-hmm. And some other... the, the What was the the two and a green for the 1-4 with reach. That card was just annoying because it was a 1-4 with reach, um, yeah. but...
1: Right, we learned about that for, with the werewolf from the last set. It yeah. was just like pretty solid just without even transforming it. <laughs> it was probably the best werewolf. <laughs> it was. <laughs>
0: Definitely the best werewolf from... Yeah, <laughs> just a 1-4 with reach. Who knew? Hey, let's look out for that in the future. one four is with reach because uh, boy yeah, is flying... Riches, oh.
1: That one would just randomly be a 3-5 because you forgot it was a werewolf because werewolves didn't matter
0: (laughs) Mm -hmm. and you're like oh shit that was bad on my part
1: yeah okay you're right so just like how i don't really look at pacifism effects anymore that highly or like the no untap stuff the Mm -hmm. enchantment based removal i don't consider it tier one unless proven otherwise anymore i'm now going to consider one fours with reach tier one proven otherwise (laughs) perfect
0: because they tend to be the reason that i don't win i always have i always rule this guys and then that fucking thing comes down it attacks once now it's a two five fuck that so annoying
1: i'm like oh yeah two one into like three two we're rolling baby on the play we can't lose one four and i'm like fuck
0: (laughs) it was the same thing with the um the uh gluttonous guest the, the 2 and a black mm-hmm. for the 1-4 that makes the blood token? And then you start gaining life? Yeah. Same fucking shit. Great. One fours for 3 are really good. <laughs> Apparently, yeah. <laughs> in, like, new draft. Because, like, you know how in new draft, 2-drops are really important? Well, what nullifies their 2-drop more than a 1-4 <laughs> for 3? <three?
1: laughs> <laughs> and the 1-drops are getting better. Yeah. So like the one drops are now more playable, but they also get brickwalled by a one four.
0: So like half of their deck gets brickwalled by a one four. Amazing.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And they don't want to use a removal to spend spell a on it. Premium
1: removal spell on it. Yeah. They need
0: to Got like, to yeah. What is it? Bleed dry. Oh, uh, a <laughs> gluttonous guest. Like, come on. <laughs> that
1: would suck. It feels so bad. It feels so bad. <laughs> Especially with all the bombs in the set. Like you're not. Yeah. Gonna, they're not going to do that. <laughs> <laughs> you fully drive the, the one four. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, that's so funny. Fuck. <laughs> We've all had to do it though. We've all yeah. just been like, oh, I hate everything that I'm about to do, but I have yeah. to.
0: And the next turn, they slam. something <laughs> I can't huge. beat
1: the one four. If they have yeah. something better, then I lose. But I can't beat the one four.
0: It's also hard because you have to pull that trigger really early, because you're like. I'm gonna lose out on dealing them damage, and they're gonna gain life if I let this stupid one force stay. So, yeah, I have to choose right now to whether. Get to their bomb. Yeah, and then they they just have it anyway. Uh, enough of that, talk. That, but, that's uh, when they
1: just have two more, uh, <laughs> one force. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and you're like, oh wait, that's a common shit. Wow, I shouldn't have used yeah. great removal Whoops. on that common. Damn, but I guess that's a good time to transition to blood tokens, which people were super low on at the beginning and have pulled a full one yeah i
1: definitely wasn't like low on them i don't know why everyone hated them i guess if you're comparing them to clues that was why people Mm -hmm. didn't like them like if you're looking at them as bad clues but that's just not really what they are they're just different than clues they're not better or worse
0: I didn't like them because there was no madness in the set and no real discard mm-hmm. strategy. So I was thinking that the rummage was wasn't like going to be good.
1: was one fake madness card, right?
0: Yeah. Edgar's Awakening, uh, which I have used to its fullest extent because I thought it was cool, except for it doesn't do anything when you madness it. You just put it back in your hand. But um,
1: <laughs> <Yeah>.
0: <laughs> but anyway. Um, from the dream. It's sick. Just love that dream. But yeah. Uh, but yeah, I I was pretty low on it because of that.
1: But now what do you think if they had included Madness? How busted would Blood Tokens be? It
0: would have been horrible. It would have been so horrific. <laughs> yeah, that
1: would have been a friggin' that would have been Madness. It would yeah. have been insane.
0: But unless they start they went back and did Madness like they did in Odyssey where it was a big green blue mechanic was Madness, but then yeah. blood was was black red. Maybe. I mean, I guess it, it would be weird cuz they're like it's it's the vampire mechanic why are you not putting it in the vampire cards and then people would hate them but
1: also it's just not a green blue mechanic it's so weird but, and and a lot of the cards from odyssey were like busted in half so.
0: God, yeah but but except for like green blue's archetype in this was kind of like graveyard value ish it was like hey mill yourself they're and still then, trying
1: to figure oh. out something cool to do with green blue because it's always madness. just ramp is the default madness then, like,
0: it's madness that's what they need figure to figure
1: out something else nah they could do better
0: we 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 had like a couple threshold creatures in green um the taxidermy thing um the taxidermist whatever and a couple other green cards they were like green black cards but really they should have been green blue cards add madness get rid of any ramp crap and then uh...
1: (laughs) i was surprised to see that like threshold was a really high on on the storm scale i didn't think it's that bad a mechanic but
0: Yeah, so people who don't know what threshold is, it just means that your creature gets, like, buffed up or your spell or whatever. If you have seven or more cards in your graveyard, that means you have threshold. Yeah. Um,
1: It's kind of like Delirium, but instead of card types, it just cares for the raw number of cards.
0: Exactly. Which uh, is probably the reason why they tried Delirium. um, Because they're like, oh, it makes the deck building more interesting, where threshold's, like...
1: I, I guess the problem is the threshold is just too low. Like seven mm-hmm. is just too low.
0: Yeah, probably because especially Cause they in even the eternal changed
1: a, to rogues. they made it eight. Uh, for your yeah, that's great.
0: That's probably it. But I don't know. I, I liked the opponent threshold thing; that was fun.
1: But um, but yourself, yeah. I'd be down. I, I like it, it too, obviously. Yeah. Um, or I was just thinking, delirium could totally be a green blue mechanic. There's there's nothing particularly. Like mechanic wise, that force it to be black.
0: Yeah, and black red, like, I I don't know if they got so stuck on that vampires were like this madness thing because they represent madness. But like, blue milling itself is like big. Mill is huge in blue, and self mill, they do it all the time. So, blue green works great with that, especially because green has regrowth abilities. Come on,
1: get it together. Wait, you're talking about, what are you talking about? I'm talking about, I was talking about delirium.
0: Yeah, and I'm just saying like delirium is good because blue wants to mill itself, which would put cartoon Yeah, bigger. yeah, okay. I yeah. thought you
1: were talking about madness for a second. I was,
0: I was just like, saying mill that... Mill
1: doesn't work with madness, Zach. What are you talking no. about? <laughs> no, sorry, sorry, sorry.
0: <laughs> I meant like it felt like they keep putting delirium effects in black red because it's supposed uh-huh. to be like fixed. It's kind of like madness and kind of like that stuff mm-hmm. where I want it to be in blue-green, like we were just saying. Because that would make blue-green a lot yeah. more fun, honestly. Sorry.
1: Yeah, blue green, like that's a great mechanic for blue green. We should work at wizards.
0: We should, we yeah. let's make our own card game.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's let's called, do it.
0: It's <laughs> called Gathering the Magic. Perfect. Yeah,
1: and then it's gonna be great. There will be no lawsuits in our future for sure.
0: Absolutely not. <laughs> um, we're gonna start our own client where you can uh, message your friends, your deck lists.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's just arena, but we like code on some crappy <laughs> messenger app. <laughs> <laughs> causes all sorts of problems it just
0: links up with your facebook so you can talk to all your facebook yeah. friends <laughs> um
1: so at any time you make a a move in your game it'll message all of your facebook <laughs> friends it'll notify you everyone just did. <laughs> yeah. no it only does
0: it when you lose every time so it's incentive yeah, to Zach win
1: lost a game
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> dude were you on uh gathering the magic last night because Boy, were you doing bad. You should just, you know, unlink that, man. Like, why, why are you yeah. doing that? <laughs> All your high school friends are like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> they think you're trying to, like, There's make them no way join to a turn cult. That
1: feature off. Yeah.
0: <laughs> oh, anyway. Oh, man. Um, obviously, we should not <laughs> make a game, but yeah, uh, that was
1: a, hey, a disturbing idea.
0: You know, it could be a tier or, or like, a kind of platform thing in Patreon. So go to our Patreon. If you give us enough money, we'll make a game. (laughs) (laughs) The link's from your Facebook. (laughs) Oh, gosh. Uh, Anyway, Jeff, how did you like Disturb in the new set?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so... uh, Mechanic we know and love from previous set, but done differently. Uh, I liked it less, I guess, because it's auras, but it was still good like it was still a good gameplay mechanic and it played well too i just don't like auras that much Uh, but it was a way to get more auras into my games like i think this is the first time i've played auras in a limited format in a long time
0: and i loved it amazing so much better than uh playing a creature is an aura just phenomenal
1: yeah i figured you might say that
0: i loved it i really did um yeah i thought it was great Especially fun when you're playing all the blue ones in the, the uh, Spells Matter deck, or the non-creature deck, I guess, yeah. the, the, um, all those cards triggering off of that. That felt, mm, Chef's Kiss, amazing. Love
1: and still, it, so. still crazy strong and limited, even. Yeah. I thought maybe it would be a little weaker because auras, you can't play on an empty board, and maybe that's true, but in practice, I just found, like, almost all the disturbed creatures were really good.
0: Yeah. It was also just kind of nice that you have a bunch of these stupid ones and then you put auras. Even if you put auras on the, the creatures with disturb, they like use the remove a spell to kill it. You're like, sick. Now that one's in my graveyard and I'll use it on a different creature. Yeah. And it's just like this annoying chain of like, what? Ah, I'm tired of this. Um, the only thing was I would constantly forget how much the disturb costs were. Uh, that, was, that was my thing that I had a problem with. I'd be like, oh, sick. Now I can play this for two. Oh, it costs four? Wait. You have to Disturb it for four? I was like, oh, that's a bummer. Um, yeah. So, but that's... I mostly
1: played against my it then with it. So mm. I never needed to know any of that. <laughs>
0: uh, well, I mean, you need to know a little bit, you know. Um,
1: <laughs> Whatever my opponent does, they do. <laughs> <laughs>
0: but uh, but yeah, I, I thought that was great. I really hope they bring Disturb back at some point um, for the future... I think it worked really well with the blood tokens and, as I was saying before, the non-creature stuff. So it had a good, like, everything kind of lapped on top of each other, as well as the training deck, too, which, obviously, we were saying it wasn't good, but, hey, those training cards look a lot better when they have abilities slash get pumped up to help all the other kids train, so. Totally.
1: Yeah. Yeah, then, obviously, I guess, technically, we had day-bound, night-bound, but... uh... Don't need to talk about this one too much. It was the same execution as from the previous set. It just so happens the werewolves were. <laughs> Good.
0: Added. Yeah. And then exploit. We already talked about that. How it was.
1: Uh... Underwhelming because it, it was clearly aimed at a, as a limited mechanic because none of the cards are really pushed for.
0: Maybe uh, one of standard them.
1: Standard that I can. Think the of. counter spell. Like I guess the. Yeah. The counterspell one was was clearly a standard aimed card that mm-hmm. just didn't get there yet. Yeah uh actually the most played one i can think of is the scorpion so yeah uh,
0: that card's great i i I like that's just the
1: best one yeah (laughs) yeah i love that card Uh, but you know if it's a purely limited mechanic and then it just didn't quite get there in limited because the format was mostly just a little too fast for it it you know almost feels like it wasn't really there and that's exploit feels sort of like an afterthought of this format for me because it's Sometimes I have to be like, oh yeah, exploit. That was a mechanic of this format.
0: It feels like the reason I would want to play a mixed format of uh, Midnight Hunt and Crimson Vow. It feels like part of one of the pieces of glue putting those sets together. Um, Now we haven't been able to really play that before unless you did the decathlon where you did the sealed with it, which kind of was what everyone was trying to do in the sealed, was I finally can get the uh, decayed zombies with the uh, exploit thing um Mm
2: -hmm.
0: it still ended up being okay it just seemed like decayed was strong and then exploit was also there to get some extra value so uh you needed decayed first as usual when you have a b kind of uh mechanic you need the a cards first and then some of the b cards to make it work so um
2: yeah yeah
0: but jeff we did have huge news in this like this is historic this set crimson vow is a historic set in the sense that this is the first time we had a new format that came out with new cards specified for this set. so um, And we had a new mechanic that came with that as well.
1: Yeah, so the mechanic was Spellbook. So a bunch of different cards in the Alchemy, the first edition of Alchemy uh, release would have a Spellbook, and basically that meant they had 15 cards that are not from the set, kind of just from Magic's past. I don't even think... Uh, I think a bunch of them weren't even on arena before this. Uh, and you would get to basically draft one of these cards. So you could look at three randomly selected ones and take one of the three. What did you think of this mechanic? Like after playing with it?
0: All right. So originally I thought it was fine. I did, I didn't really care for it just because I never wanted to remember what any of them were. And I was really hoping that they wouldn't be, um, uh, necessary it would just be like oh that's kind of a fun thing it doesn't matter uh, as alchemy has grown in popularity and is becoming de facto one of the best formats on arena um, which i 100% agree on as well um, i also was unaware hey everyone out there you might be similar to me where you're like man this spellbook card i'm mousing over it and it only shows me one of the cards in the spellbook. well right click if you right click it You can look at all the different cards in the spell book. You never have to have another page open reminding you what they are, which is what I thought I was going to (laughs) do, and it took me a very long time to figure that out.
1: Listen, Zach, some of us play in full screen over here on Windows. We don't have time for other pages with the cards Uh, on. Okay,
0: well, first of all, I have a Magic Mouse from (laughs) Apple, so there's only one click, but... It knows if you click on the right side, it will do the right click thing. That's
1: that's very cool.
0: I just don't know that there are two buttons most of the time because I'm not used to that. So I didn't know I could right click. You I can thought
1: command it, click, right?
0: I uh, yes, I can command click, um, but I didn't. I don't know. I didn't think I had to. I was just it was confusing. Um, so anyone, any Mac users out there, confused? Any users out there? Hey, look at the spellbook cards. Right click them to see all the cards in the spellbook makes it a lot easier and a lot more fun um and now i think they're super fun of course they never give me the cards i want when i play them but they're super fun
1: <laughs> yes so i agree 100 percent. when i first read them i was like oh this is just a crazy way to tack a ton more text onto cards as as is wizard's way but this is just taking it too far there are 15 cards of text in one word on this mm-hmm. card uh but in practice, actually playing the game, spellbooks are just fun, and you don't need to know exactly what every single card in every single spellbook does. You just kind of need to know what the big ones your opponent could have are, um, like the really impactful ones. Or you could just be like, hey, whatever, I'll leave it to like the pro players to do the guessing game of figuring out all the different possibilities. Um, uh, I had a different experience where because the spellbook I was playing with was the best one in the game. Uh, it just felt like my cards were way better than my opponents, and that led me to a lot of wins. You know, I'd look back and be like, oh, it's because I cast Time Warp, then I cast, uh, you know, Demonic Pact, and then I cast Time Warp again, and then I cast Demonic Pact again. That's why I won that game. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha, yeah. gotcha. Or Demonic Tutor. <laughs> well, my too, opponent yeah. was casting, like, Or, yeah, sorry, Demonic Tutor. Yeah. And While my opponent was casting three threes for three or whatever the hell they Mm -hmm. did. But (laughs) it's just like, yeah, maybe that card needs a tweak, but the actual spell book, like that spell book is just too powerful. You need to change it. Mm -hmm. But uh, the actual idea of spell books I found to be very fun. Yeah. And sometimes I'd always be like, because with that spell book in particular, it's like 80% of the time you were hoping for time warp and then the other... 19% 19% of the time you're hoping for a demonic tutor. And then 1% of the time you're hoping for like a random kill spell. But what would happen is I wouldn't get the ones I wanted, but there would still be a sweet card in there and I'd be like, this will work. I could I could work with this, you know, mm-hmm. and it would make me change my game plan uh, because I didn't hit the one that I wanted, which would win the game for me for sure. But I could like, Oh, maybe I could use this to, to kind of, Maybe I'm winning with Approach of the Second Son now, you know?
0: Yeah. Right. It definitely makes you more creative, for sure, as you're playing. Mm-hmm. And the the simple thing is to know if a card was played from a spellbook. If you're like, oh, that's a card that was from a spellbook. Um, so you know that it's been done. You don't have to think about it anymore. Uh, if you're kind of on my realm of, oh, they ended up looting away the card they got from spellbook because they didn't like any of them. Sick. All right. That's mm-hmm. great. Um, yeah.
1: They're just going to play Lear later, man.
0: <laughs> don't tell me that. Don't, don't take away my hope. Uh, <laughs> what, do you, what do you
1: think they got with the tutor? It's always Lear.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I, I have come around on them again. I still like that. They can change the spell books without having to read, like change the card. Um, and they could just right. be different. Uh, that seems fun. Um, if you are playing in paper and want to play the spell book cards, you get to make up your own spellbook, man, if you want to, that you think is more thematic. Go ahead, do that. Uh, so I like the idea of the spellbook just in general in Magic and uh, and in Arena, it's obviously...
1: Yeah, and I, I have one sort of funny story just to, to end maybe before the beer break here. Um, it's just me not understanding all these newfangled mechanics. So I was playing a game and I think so I cast Approach of the Second Son. You know, I had to change gears because that's the card I found. And I cast it, and uh, I needed to win very quickly, basically, because I was under pressure, and the seven life mattered. Uh, and so I was, I had a leer, though, so I was casting all these considers. It was like, consider, 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 to make sure that I was getting to that Approach of the Second Son very quickly by always just, uh, not scry, but throwing away the top card. Mm-hmm. And then I got to, I was only able to get it so that my next draw step would not be Approach of the Second Sun, but the card after it would be. Mm -hmm. But I was like, oh, this is no problem. So on their end step, I will cast uh, Solve the Equation. No, something that... Discover the Formula? Solution. Discover the the Formula, yeah. Yeah. And uh, I was like, then I'll... Because for some reason, I thought Seek was like the top three spells on your deck would go into your hand. But that's not how seek works. It just puts random spells into your hand without altering the way your library is stacked. So I thought that I would seek into it with 100% certainty and I did not get it. And I was like, wait, what just happened? I thought I should for sure get it. But I did seek the card on top of it. So then on my next turn, I did draw it. Oh. (laughs) So I was like, did I just like blow this game? because i was so sure that seek would find me the approach of the second sun and it didn't it was three other cards and then i drew the approach was like wait a minute what just happened and i was like oh i seeked the card on top of it
0: i well see the thing is i don't even know if that's right cuz i was i'm also under the same impression that seek is the topmost cards it's like cascade but different that's what i thought
1: i thought so too but so i looked it up afterwards it okay. says uh the game will automatically choose a random card meeting specified criteria from the library and put it into their hand. But oh. it won't make you shuffle. It doesn't change the order. Yeah, because so that would approach have been was still there, for you. And I was lucky and I seeked the card off right off the top of it.
0: That is, <laughs> that's crazy. See, learning things and, that I didn't even know on my own podcast, that's amazing.
1: <laughs> I went from sure I was going to win to thought I fucked up so bad that I was sure I was going to lose to, oh, no, wait, I still Everything's win. Everything's <laughs> fine. Like, <laughs> in like one second
0: (laughs) oh gosh all right well um with that jeff my beer is empty and i'm ready for a beer break this beer break is brought to you by our patrons over at patreon
1: that's right you're already supporting the show just by listening but if you want to support the show even more the patreon is the best way to do that
0: and when you become a patron you get an exclusive invite to our after party which is a mini episode recorded immediately after this one Where we ramble on about non-magic-related things.
1: Plus, if we make enough money, we will design a game that embarrasses you in front of all your friends.
0: Yep, so go to patreon.com slash arena regulars to fund your new favorite game. Ooh, it's fizzing up a little bit. Alrighty.
1: What do we got here, Zach?
0: We got a beer. Three beers to be exact. Oh, yeah. Just kidding. It's a triple. Oh my. Um, <laughs> so last week we did Shackland's double. So we thought, of course, we should mm-hmm. do a triple. And uh, I wanted to bring this one because it has the most alcohol in it 7.9%. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it has three pictures of a monk. Sorry, it has a picture of three monks. There we go on the can. Um, so none of them are us because none of them are holding beers. Um, and I would never be a monk right. unless I had a beer.
1: <laughs> yeah, for some reason, the double guys were having more fun than the triple guys. But. Yeah.
0: Is that is that true? Is that us? We, we're double guys having more fun than triple guys? I guess so. Sure. I'll go with that. Um, awesome. Jeff, I think it's time to look back at our first Sips episode and see how right or wrong we were about <laughs> some predictions slash... Uh, yeah. Uh, you know, basketball shots.
1: Here at the Arena Regulars, we like to hold ourselves accountable. Plus it's just fun. It's just funny to look back and be like, Oh, we uh we thought that card was gonna be good, huh?
0: Huh, interesting. <laughs> um and in May in my case it's usually like, Wow, you didn't think about this very much, did you? <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, it's always just so hard. When you don't get to play with a card and you're just reading it, it's so difficult. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm still proud of nailing the Lear thing, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to take that with me to my grave. That was right. That Lear was stupid. Good. That was crazy.
0: All right. So if you haven't listened to one of our first sips episodes before, you should probably stop this one right now. Go back to our first sips episode and listen to it. But if you don't want to do that because I get it, whatever it's.
1: Yeah. I never do that when people tell me to do it.
0: (laughs) I just thought, you know, people say that I thought I should say it. So anyway, um,
1: it's
0: it's a thing uh we always uh predict our best cards for standard at the time we were talking about standard but now it's weird because there's a new format um but we like to do them in basketball shots so we have a layup that's super easy a three-pointer that's kind of hard and then a half court shot that's like probably not gonna probably not gonna get there but we wish it would um Mm -hmm. so starting with that jeff what's your layup what's the card that you're like you know what this is gonna be in decks it's gonna it's
1: gonna happen All right. Uh, Proud to have sussed this one out. I think uh, it was on nobody's radar coming into the uh, (laughs) formats. Uh, This (laughs) this is Hullbreaker Horror. Uh, Yeah, that card's insane. Uh, Interestingly enough, it sees more play in alchemy than in standard. (laughs) Because in standard, it's like All Runs Epiphany is still just the best control win con. Yeah. Uh, But in alchemy, this is. So, well, actually, I guess in alchemy, if you consider it a win con... (laughs) Key to the Archives kind of the best wincon, con, but uh, or maybe Lear. But a lot of people play a mix of those cards, and Hold Breaker is definitely definitely a presence in Alchemy. So I'll I'll take this one. I'll say I kind of, I kind of got it. I don't know. I
0: think this is a slam dunk. Uh, they immediately were playing this and and uh, continued to play it um, in standard, even if it's not as. Um, rampant, but and I was
1: kind of thinking that all runs epiphany would be banned. So I was thinking standard, but I was like, if All epiphany gets banned, this has to be the de new facto thing. Control finish.
0: And because we got alchemy and decided not to ban anything, um, you know, I think it works. I think it works. It's hard because you know, they pulled the rug out from under us, and we thought standard would be relevant. But it's you know, re- it
1: was going to be yeah. one of my shots, actually, that uh, mm-hmm. they're going to invent a new format that they'll release <laughs> to us. In a few yeah, weeks. yeah. But uh, for for some reason, I didn't say it. I just forgot. Yeah, you know, I was totally thinking it. Yeah. All right. What was your layup?
0: So my layup was Manaform Hellkite. Um,
1: Sorry, what? What card?
0: <laughs> all right, all right. Uh, it's the <laughs> dragon that cares about non-creature spells never, and stuff. Never heard of it. Um, it didn't do exceptionally well. It
1: probably. Oh, oh it was the dragon that like destroys your land, or you take two da- that one. No, 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 that no. That one's
0: good. That one is good. Oh, not that. Not that one. No, it turned. Uh, no, this is the one that uh, makes more dragon <laughs> illusions. When you play more cards, mm-hmm. it saw like. Some play at the beginning of the format until people decided that it wasn't good.
1: I, I don't know if we've seen the end of this card. Like there's still a you know a while in its tenure in both alchemy and standard. And I think at some point there because the raw power level is very high. So at yeah. some point this card could just break out. It just needs the right shell. All of a sudden you have this deck with you know the only creatures are this and the egg, mm-hmm. and then it's just a bunch of cantrips and stuff. You know, something like that could very easily just start taking over. But
0: it could. Um, for it's now. I
1: would say. Yeah,
0: it, it's also I in this know. weird space where, like, every time a new set comes out, there's like a four mana, four four red dragon of some kind, or like.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's true. They they've really loved those types of cards recently.
0: I think through the past year or so, we've gotten like five or so, like a lot. It's just, it's like a lot, and this is just another iteration of those dragons, and um, there are better ones. So um it ended up being not the layup I, I thought. I don't even know if the
1: other ones are better. It's just that this one asks a bit more of you. It does. It asks that you're in, like, a spell slinger shell, whereas the other ones are like, put me in any deck that can cast me. I'll be strong.
0: But also, this one doesn't do anything when it hits the battlefield, which classic, you know. Mm-hmm. like So Holebreaker Horror also doesn't do anything true. when it hits the battlefield. It just, you can play it at instant speed and untap and do a bunch of shit. This one, you can't. And... Yeah. um yeah, so... And even up,
1: that, like, usually Hullbreaker Horror just gets held in hand until you have this plus Fading Hope. And, mm-hmm.
0: then and then
1: it's over. Then you're off to the races. And then I
0: concede. As soon as that happens, because I'm like... I'm always playing deck that I just can't beat it. So I'm like, ah, it's over.
1: Uh, I never knew Fading Hope would be such a big fucking part of the metagame. But, man, I hate that card. I have
0: always loved Unsummon, So, Fading <laughs> Hope... <Yeah. laughs> I mean, Fading Hope's a lot better, but... Uh, Oh,
1: I know. But if you told me Unsummon is gonna be, because mo- a lot of the time it's pretty much just Unsummon. Yeah. Like Unsummon is gonna be a terror of the new standard format. it would be like, you're crazy. But most of these decks just wouldn't be a thing without fading Hope. So. Yeah. It's so <laughs> like, awesome. Lear wouldn't be so protectable. Yeah. You know the Holbringer Horror wouldn't be so good. Uh, Allruns Epiphany decks would have a harder time catching up to the. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the aggro decks. Like, this card has just warped everything somehow. And it's, like, mildly improved on some.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, basically. Uh, but, Jeff, what is your three-point shot?
1: All right. This one, uh, I have seen a lot of people playing, uh, but they're all me. And it's Cultivator Colossus. <laughs> uh, this was the, the, the big green card that plays all your lands. So, like, when you play it, you basically put all... Just put lands down into your hand and redraw cards until you don't have any more lands. Mm -hmm. Um, And I love this card, and it's great, um, but nobody else seems to like it.
0: It is the best. uh, It's going to be the best ninja of the new set, I'm just saying. So. Yeah,
1: if you ninjutsu this thing in on turn four, that's a beating. (laughs) It's a beating. I mean, it has suffered from that, right? Like, no real good ways to cheat it in. If there's ever a good way to cheat this in, this becomes the auto, the automatic target for that. Cheat this card, is the best thing to cheat to play early, mm-hmm. and when you're ramping into it, it's not quite the same because like playing it naturally, you probably have very few lands left in your hand. Yeah, and so its power is a little mitigated. But I do love the combination of this with Run and Seven because Run and Seven comes down, makes a tree folk and then untaps and puts a bunch of lands into your hand and then you cast this and put all of those lands into play. That's nice. I like that. So there's that. something there. It's a lot of fun. It's just not as good as copying all Allrun's Epiphany. Yeah. Eh,
0: which, you know, nothing really is. So you can't really <laughs> you, that can't really be the the measure. You you can't be looking for something that's better than <laughs> that's that.
1: That's the bar. If it's not better than copying all runs Epiphany, if it it's sucks.
0: Yeah. <laughs> You're not going to have a lot of fun doing that. Um Mine, I haven't seen it on the battlefield really that much um, at all in standard. Um, maybe a little bit at the beginning, but uh, Anya, Made of Dishonor, has just wrecked me in, uh, in some draft formats yep. and some alchemy. Um, uh, but not, uh, not necessarily standard. So.
1: so I don't know exactly where I think the, I was kind of
0: off base with a few of these things.
1: <laughs> I don't know where the Vampire's deck landed. But I remember uh, Gab Nassif was testing vampires a lot. Uh, he didn't end up playing it at the championship, but he was piloting it a lot and to good success. And his starting point was just one of each four drops. So he had like one Anya, one Soren, mm-hmm. one uh, like Blood Vile Purveyor, uh, one Henrika Dumnathy. Yeah. Uh, and I think there was even one more. There's, like There's just so many options for red, black, four drops and you don't want that many uh, but I remember him lamenting that he was just playing one time and he was like every time I've drawn one of the four drops they've just been awesome and so I don't know which ones to cut and which is the <laughs> right one to play because it always just seems like they're really good so I know he was playing on for quite a while uh, and I don't know if eventually they found out it wasn't the best four drop or if it was, like, an Anya-Sorin split is the right answer, because that's what I would have been leaning towards, mm-hmm. I think, is, like, two Anyas, two Sorens, something like that. Because, uh, you know, uh, as we might get to, uh, I didn't think Blood, Vial, Purveyor was worth playing. Mm-hmm. But... Uh, I think I see some people, like, I see this more than I, I see other people play Cultivator Colossus. I mean, I've seen co- a lot more Cultivator Colossus because I've been playing it. But mm-hmm. uh, in terms of my opponents, I've seen more Anya than, than
0: yeah. Colossus. Yeah, I think I've seen some Brushstroke decks that have this, but, like, for the most part in Standard, I just haven't seen it at, at all. No Vampire anything, nothing close, and uh, it just wasn't uh, wasn't around, so, um, eh, you know. You win some, you lose some.
1: I think mine was an air ball, and yours hit the rim. Maybe.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. I, th- thank you. Thank you. That's that's very that's very nice. <laughs>
1: Let's do that. Hey, man, it's hard to hit the rim from the NBA three point line. That's it's
0: true. It, yeah. I mean, um, I think with my next ones, we might have missed altogether. But uh, what's your your half court shot?
1: <laughs> All right, my half court shot was faith bound. Judge. This is the 4-4 four, four that turns into the uh, the curse that just, like, ticks down to you winning the game. That's basically the gist of the card. It's like a blocker, and after a certain number of turns, it can actually attack. Um, but if it dies, it can come back as something that just ticks down to a win. Uh, I've never seen this card outside of Limited.
0: <laughs> I've seen this card a lot, and I've been playing it. Um, I've lost a lot to... to uh, trying to play this card
1: oh I thought you were, so you lost a lot to this card no so. no 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 no, no. <laughs> um i think i mean you lost to this card because you were playing it.
0: yes yeah and yeah. there yeah, just so happened to be a really good amount of things that exile stuff from your graveyard and mm-hmm. uh this is a really juicy target to rip out of your graveyard so, For sure.
1: yeah, it's been, uh, <laughs> and it costs seven mana to bring back. So yeah. It's like,
0: yeah, I've tried a lot we'll of different things. Afforded. Hasn't worked out. Uh, so I'm, I, I also wanted it to be a half court. I wanted it to get there. I tried really hard on this one. Um, didn't, you know, I tried the, the whole like, Hey, let's, let's do a control deck and, and, and do all runs Epiphany with it to, to heal him faster. And, um,
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> Turns out there are easier ways to kill the withdrawal's epiphany.
0: Yeah, there are. Yeah, and it wasn't even that fun, which sucked. Like playing this card wasn't fun, which was the big bummer. That's
1: the ultimate bummer. Then. Yeah. yeah. So. All right. Well, that was a miss then. Yeah. This card.
0: Pretty. Yeah. Fuck that card, man. And this next one, I still love. <laughs> I still love. I might build a commander deck around this stupid thing, but I no, yeah. I won't. Never mind. It's terrible. I can't do that. <laughs> <laughs> but I picked uh Catilda Don Hart uh what is it? Don Hart Martyr. Uh so she is the uh the star star that cares about enchantments and spirits that give her stuff and she has mm-hmm. flying and lifelink and then will aura that onto someone else in her disturb cost. Um, which I I played a lot of Faithbound Judge with this card. Um it's probably a lot more fun with like a go wide strategy and this might be your only aura as opposed to playing it in an aura's deck. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, it's still fun. I just don't think, um, I don't think we have the pieces yet. Some of the, the spirit stuff isn't there right now. Maybe we'll get some stuff in Kamigawa actually. I, I, that gives me a little bit of hope. There you go. We'll we'll definitely get some spirits. spirits. So, um, uh, so we'll see. Maybe maybe that will become a thing. We'll we'll get some more pieces for it. Um, maybe there's some enchantment stuff in Kamigawa. I don't know if they're gonna do. Th- they might do something with that. I'm, I'm not really sure, but uh, that would be cool. But at the moment, uh, we just don't have it. We don't have the the stuff we need. But I'm still gonna work. You know, it's my half court shot. I think I completely missed. I probably threw this one and it hit a fan. In, in the front, and they got a nosebleed <laughs> yeah. from this one. <laughs> yeah.
1: I think I scored on my own basket. So. <laughs> <laughs> I played the
0: curse on myself. Um, <laughs> but a little rough this, uh, this round. Um, I, uh, I've been pretty happy we with... We didn't do as well as last time. You know, our worthless lots have usually been pretty, uh, pretty strong. Uh, however, this last mm-hmm. one has been pretty pretty rough. We we
1: yeah. I think we, we got a little, little,
0: uh, we, l- yeah. we we got a little too excited. I think we you know we were pretty egocentric because you know the last few we we'd done pretty well. So then we're like you know what let's take some like extra shots, and then they just didn't go well. Yeah,
1: they didn't get there. Um, we did some overrated. My half court shot will be Thalia. <laughs> yeah,
0: <laughs> it's Thal. You know she's a reprint, but whatever. You know who cares. Um. We did do some overrated and underrated cards. So, Jeff, you already alluded to your overrated cards, and uh, I think I agree.
1: Yep, Blood vile Purveyor. Um, so, nobody plays this card, as far as I know. And yep. for some reason, people were pretty excited about it before the set dropped. So, that's so what you have to understand for the overrated underrated. It's relative to like hype around spoilers. Mm-hmm. And this was a card that I felt like I was. people were just really hyped about in particular for standard and i was like no isn't this like maybe a commander card or something like i know it's not legendary but the type of card that you would see there
0: it's not even great it's just
1: a four mana card that dies like i don't know
0: it's not even a great card in draft i've played against this card a lot in draft and beaten it a lot in draft so
1: yeah same it's just like big
0: yeah, like it's, it's in just, modern
1: magic, you can't play creatures that are just big and don't do anything when they enter the battlefield. You have to get your value from your card.
0: You can't play creatures that don't that are big, don't do anything, and give your opponent's value while they kill it.
1: Yeah, yeah. not only does this not do anything when it enters the battlefield, it actually does something for your opponent. It has like a negative ETB. There are times when... Because they're going to cast a spell to deal with
0: it. Yeah, there are times when I'd purposely play other spells... Like like leave it alive for a turn to get some more blood out of it before I kill it.
1: Yeah, totally. <laughs> <You're> like, I'd, <laughs> I'd literally like let them hit me with it once mm-hmm. because I wanted more blood. To yeah, it. it's like
0: <laughs> it, it's it's hilarious. Um, yeah, yeah, that one didn't pan out, um, which is great. My overrated card. Nobody, everyone flipped their shit on Twitter for like three days, and then I'd have never seen this card yeah. in, ever. Um, which is yeah, a-
1: nobody plays this card.
0: Alchemist Gambit, which is an extra turn spell uh that kills you on your next turn you know like a regular red extra turn spell does or it uh, cleaves for blue that makes it a regular extra turn and uh no mm-hmm. like nobody nobody plays this
1: yeah i remember the outcry for this card everyone's like oh well they just stop printing extra turn spells it's like i kind of like the design of this one like the yeah it's a nice use of cleave and I, I don't mind the red version of extra turns where you lose right away. Exactly. Like I think those are kind of fun. Yeah. So, um, and they've so, never been good. So, so like, Look at that. I don't know why people thought this was an exception, but we nailed the overrated. We sure did. Did we nail the underrated?
2: Well. Well. <laughs> what'd
1: you right, say? So my underrated card was Hamlet Vanguard, um, which... <laughs> This was the human tribal card. So Mm -hmm. this is the 1-1 for two and a green with ward two. But it enters the battlefield with two plus one plus one counters for each other non-token human you control. So the idea is, like, you curve out, you know, human, one drop human, two drop human, and then 5-5 ward two for three. It's kind of the dream. I mean, you can get this bigger, but that's that's what you're hoping for when you play this card. And then the downside is, like, you're kind of expecting a 3-3 ward two for three. Yeah. Uh, so I still think this card is pretty good and it did show up at the Innistrad championship in the historic humans deck, which was the most popular deck. So people did play it. Now that deck did not do well. <laughs> so, you know,
2: ooh, yeah. Card
1: wasn't so underrated after all, but, uh, I think I, at least I was right that the card is good. If humans is a real deck.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it was just the wrong, uh, tribe. Um, that the, the other tribes ended up being a lot better than humans, which I am honestly like, phew, thank God. Like, I was kind of worried about humans for a second, and now I'm like, eh, whatever. That's good. Um, yeah,
1: you just have to imagine, like, there was the one drop training human is pretty good mm-hmm. into Thalia into this. It's like, how are you ever beating that? <laughs> that's yeah.
0: insane.
1: Um, oh, and hitting it with Collected Company is good too, because you have another human in play when it ETBs. Oh,
0: that's true. That's really true. So in historic, hey, you know, worked out a bit. Um, not as much in, uh, in standard, but um, the card that I picked for, uh, for underrated is, I had just done a draft with this card and I really liked it um, <laughs>
2: uh-huh.
0: when I had done this. The thing about this card, it's Cemetery Protector. So it's the white card in the cemetery cycle. And uh, it's the three-four three-fourth flash. You exile a card. You get to make one-ones for, uh, for all the, the different types of things that you play off of it. Um, the problem with this card, and honestly the problem with the red one as well, is that the other cemetery cards care about when it enters the battlefield and attacks. This one does not. Uh, It doesn't trigger on attacks. You get to exile one thing and then uh, go forward with that. Uh, The reason the other cards, the other Cemetery cards are kind of frustrating is not just that they they exile something and they get value from it, uh, usually some sort of like discount, but they continue to attack and exile cards from your graveyard that you might need. And that becomes a good way to have hate on their graveyard. Because this one doesn't do that which i might have i didn't necessarily i didn't miss it on the first time but i didn't realize how important that was going to be to these cemetery cards um Mm -hmm. and the scenario that i thought this card would be good in was really difficult to
1: come up with um this is bad uh (laughs) i mean i think in the end none of the cemetery cards are really good though right
0: they're only annoying i've i've dealt with like the uh the blue one and the green one being like the green one's annoying because I'm like, I don't want your shit to be cheap, and the the blue one is a flyer, so it's just inherently annoying. But like, it like none
1: of them like really see play, right?
0: I've seen the green one in a lot of those like green stompy decks, or I guess it's alchemy, but like green stompy decks or um, some of the werewolf stuff because mm-hmm. it's a wolf.
1: I haven't really run into any of them personally.
0: <laughs> it just gets like an, I
1: think I ran into the green one in a really weird blue green ramp deck yeah
0: it could easily be because i was playing some garbage uh, uh sem- like graveyard centric thing where i was like fuck this card you're
1: just gonna get rid of all my shit every time and i would like hate it I know, normally i hate cards like that because yeah. i'm playing the the janky graveyard self mill graveyard <laughs> theme yeah card. so i'm
0: like i don't even care that it came like if it just didn't get the stuff when it attacked i'd be fine like i don't give a shit But because it got to do that every time I it attacked, it was really really frustrating. So, so yeah, my cemetery protector is trash. It's really bad. Not even it was
1: it was appropriately rated as
0: a yeah. It was it was not (laughs) under anything. It was uh, it's bad. (laughs) It was underpowered. Uh, (laughs) <laughs> yeah, that's right. Underpowered. There you go. Uh, but I, let's stop talking about things that uh, we predicted wrong and weren't good at and all that stuff. This is a happy hour. Let's be happy. Let's talk about some of our favorite cards yeah. <laughs> from different uh, different. Uh, what are they called uh, formats? There we go. That's formats. the word.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> um, so limited. Let's talk about what's your favorite limited card? What's the card that you're like? Ah, yes, I want to have one of these in my deck. I got one. That's gonna be a good draft because I got this card
1: so it's weird but i love reckless impulse mm. which is like the um uh, what's the first card that really got on the map with this kind of thing uh that made mono red so good but uh basically it exiles two cards and then you the end of your next turn you can play them and i just love this card in my red decks because uh it would just hit you land drops on turn two and spells late in the game like You know, if you have to play it on... Or usually, I guess, not on... Oh, no, you would play it on turn two. Yeah, you play it on turn two, and that almost guarantees you your third land because you have three looks at it. Mm -hmm. And so you could keep, like, sketchier hands. But then also in the late game, if you were flooding out a bit, this would help you by just, like, drawing two more cards for the cheap cost of two mana. It just really feels like a two-mana divination a lot of the time. And uh, I dig that.
0: Yeah. And... That is a super underrated card, because even today, I have seen that go way late. Like, that card is wheeling. I
1: know, and people don't take it, and I yeah. want, like, all of them. <laughs> Especially in the Spells Matters decks, like, <sighs> cards like this are just invaluable.
0: Yeah. Um, and in every other red deck, I want one, at least. So.
1: So I felt like this was definitely my biggest delta in how good I thought it was, and how good everyone else seemed to think it was, mm-hmm. like, the difference between those two things.
0: Yeah. Um, my favorite limited card was, uh, surprising there, you know, obviously I like the ores and a bunch of different things. Um, and it was not an ancestral anger, <laughs> funny enough. Um, but, uh, it happened to actually be ballista watcher, um, because it's obviously a super powerful werewolf that I liked a lot. But, um, that it, to me, most of the time, if I was drafting and I saw a ballista watcher, I was like, red's open like red must be open yeah this car is really good um so it was and it was this is one of those werewolves that should have been in the previous set yeah (laughs) it it was you know it can uh you know ping things and then after that it just like blasts everything down and makes it so they can't block
1: i also love the flavor
0: yeah like (laughs) yeah it's so good he's just standing watching this ballista and then he picks it up and fucking just bolts yeah, people
1: backside, he's using it as a weapon yeah <laughs> that's great
0: um but it was also the kind of thing that like when there's a ballista watcher on the battlefields it's really hard to keep it from flipping because your opponent or you know that you don't have to play any cards in your hands you can just flip it and then spend six mana to you know either um ping two things or kill something with two toughness, like, you can just always pass your turn and flip it. Like, you never have to... In
1: fact, I felt like that was the default action. You, mm-hmm. If you had six mana, you would pass, and then just double ping almost every time. Like, if you were thinking about doing something else, you'd usually default to just passing.
0: So I really liked that. I thought that was a really good werewolf design, and I was kind of sad that, uh, yeah, again, it wasn't in the werewolf set, um, but that was... That was definitely a card that caught my eye every time it was in a pack, and I love to see it. So,
1: um, Yeah, it's a cool card. Mm-hmm. I very rarely saw it in draft, unlike my uh, my pick, which I saw mm-hmm. constantly.
0: Constantly. Uh, um, anyway, Jeff, standard cards. I think we already know what this one is. Just go ahead and say it.
1: It's Cultivator Colossus. I <laughs> <laughs> card it's great. <laughs> it's so fun. Like You play it, and then you just start slapping lands down. And in the deck I was playing it in with Ren and Seven, you would literally slap down, like, eight-plus lands. And your (laughs) opponent's just sitting there while you draw cards and put lands onto the battlefield, and your Colossus is just ticking up in power. Oh, it's so great. Then they just kill it or whatever, but uh, it's still fun.
0: (laughs) Then you have a bunch of lands, and then your (laughs) your creature from uh, Ren and Seven's huge.
1: Yeah, and you have a fully stocked hand, because however many cards you had in hand when you cast it, you now have that many spells. Yeah. Right, because all the lands get filtered out. Yeah, that. that's so it is a great card. It's obviously just, it's main problem in the current format is that it's just a bit too slow. If yeah. you're going to be spending 7 mana, it has to kind of win you the game immediately, and this usually... You have to, to take really an extra like turn. It ...puts you pretty far ahead. Yeah, and it has to survive. Mm-hmm. But it, usually the ETB is enough to put you far enough ahead, but uh, against a deck that can just win with, in a single turn, mm-hmm. like the maybe blue-red spells or blue-red control or whatever you want to call it, blue-red turns. Uh, you know, that's not good enough. Yeah. So that that kind of single-handedly ruins this card's chances because, you know, <laughs> going paying seven mana to put yourself ahead, really far ahead, just isn't good enough. It has to win.
0: Yes, that's right. Um, my favorite card for standard was actually savior of allenbach which is the the three mana. i
1: actually had to look this up when you wrote this i don't know what this is yeah
0: so it's the three mana one two with training that uh it's in white and uh when it attacks or sorry when it trains you get to um o-ring one of their things but you can also do it from a graveyard so it's a good way of also um uh getting stuff back from your graveyard yeah
1: it's like the weird like Right.
0: That can kind of like protect it. That if they end up killing it, you get one or two creatures back, which is really great in that deck, especially as like a weird board wipe protect- protection after you've like um, kind of traded off some things. It's a card that I wanted to put as my layup, but I was like, ah, it seems too obvious to me at the time. But this card slotted into um, mono white pretty easily. And if you're on the play, this is one of those. It doesn't do anything when it enters the battlefield, which is a reason why I was, like, iffy about it. But it's right. really fun if you get that first training on, because then it's really hard to stop it after that.
1: Yeah, if you're on the play, right, that's a nightmare, because mm-hmm. you're just never going to have anything to block it. <laughs> like yeah. It's going to train twice or whatever.
0: And it's not even... Yeah, It's well, either it takes away the blockers when you're attacking, or the good block or whatever, and give them leave them with a the shit block, or uh like i was saying before you just protect yourself so i like the versatility
1: of that which is really nice so anyway i think um, my only concern with this card was that as a three drop and white already has so many good three drops it's like yeah but it's really metagame dependent which ones you want to play like if there's no creature decks uh maybe i don't know if you play this i don't know yeah because it just dies to shock or whatever that's
0: true you're right um i still think it's it's And I had some of the same worries, but... Like, against I,
1: a control deck, obviously, Paolo's a better three-drop. Yes. But against a creature deck, this is probably better than Paolo.
0: Yes. So, yeah, there's a lot of those things. Um, but it did actually make it into a lot of decks, and I was
1: happy with it. So, um,
0: cracked in there. Should have used it for something else, but I did not. Um <laughs>
1: Yeah, And so I like the design a lot too. Yeah. It's really cool. It's a really cool, like weird split between exile your stuff to get ahead and mm-hmm. exile my own stuff to like hedge my bets. Kind of
0: exactly. I think it's, I think it's sweet. Um, but alchemy. So we do have a new category, which is weird. We're not used to this, uh-huh. but, uh, what's your favorite yeah. alchemy card for Crimson Bow?
1: For me, this is no question. Uh, You know, listeners around who've been around a while know I love red-black sacrifice stacks. I love aristocrat-style strategies, and they made one of the best cards they've printed in recent memory for these types of strategies in sanguine Brushstroke. So uh, that's when it enters the battlefield, it creates a blood token and a blood artist. And then whenever you sack a blood token, each opponent loses one and you gain one. Great card.
0: It's really good. I die to it a lot.
1: See, I play control, so this is like my easiest matchup. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's vi- that deck is very good against everything else. yeah
0: Yeah, <laughs> oh, against the decks I play, like creature decks. Uh, yeah,
1: it's very good against creature. Decks. It is.
0: Um, interesting that my favorite alchemy card would be Inquisitor Captain, which is one of the best alchemy cards. It's got to be. Um,
1: yeah. Or at least, I think the best alchemy card. I mean, for me, it's key to the archive. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. This is probably second best.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, to the point where people or are like... one
1: brush Brushstroke maybe is with up there with it. but
0: Yeah. Um, it, it, a lot of people are saying that it needs to be nerfed or something needs to happen with it, um, which I'd be kind of bummed about, but I've been playing this like best of one... Cl-
1: I didn't play against this at all in the, in the event, though.
0: In best of one? Really? I've played best of one clerics, and it's so fun.
1: I never played against... Oh, maybe I did once. Oh, yeah. In my second run, I lost my first game to Clerics, actually. Yeah. That's the only time I played it. I played a lot of Dragons. Yeah. People seem to love Dragons.
0: Dragons is, a like, tier one, I think. In... Like
1: I said, I played a bunch of the Mill deck. Yeah. Uh, which I think was the best... I think it was just a this-event-only kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, I had a lot of Control Mirrors, definitely. Interesting. Um, but most of the creature decks I played against were Dragons decks.
0: Yeah, dragons seem pretty strong, um, but I the, that's part of why I like the Cleric's deck is because you can gain enough life that you don't die to the dragons um, because they're taxing yeah. you on your lands every turn, which is also something I think is really fun. So I probably will play the dragons deck at some point because, <laughs> hey, making people decide whether they take two damage or lose a land is exactly the kind of thing I want to do because um, I'm a shithead like that. So, uh Hey, man. Hey, you know, whatever you want to do. But Inquisitor Captain is the one that's like a collected company when it comes into play. You get to take another creature out of the pick of two. and uh, But you always hit something. And this one, oh, like, the thing that's really fun about it is because in this clerics build I have, uh, if you are playing Glasspool Mimic, you can pull that card and you can pick Glasspool Mimic, copy the Inquisitor Captain, do it again, and try to chain them together. And then because you're having all these, um, you're playing that angel that every time a creature enters the battlefield, you gain life equal to its toughness. So you're getting a ton of life, and then it gets an anthem if you're at 27 life. Um, it's it, it can go off. like It just explodes, and it's really, oh, really
1: sure. fun. You're getting six life every time you hit the Inquisitor Captain yeah. right? off the... Yeah. and
0: it's uh plus whatever else you're getting and hopefully maybe another angel that's going to pump your team even more so it's uh it's quite it's very much the card yeah. that i play and like maybe i win this turn and it, it happens <laughs> so um yeah so i like it i like i, it I got bit. smoked by it like mm-hmm.
1: i said i mean i kept a hand that was really good in control mirrors and then they played um, like turn one cleric turn two cleric i was like oh
0: oh no well, no 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 no
1: duress yes mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> oh nothing
0: cool. oh cool. cool 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 it's not one of your creature removal You're spells you playing
1: the inquisitor captain deck yeah. so my duress is not that good is it
0: <laughs> it hits like the artifact that uh the altar from kaldheim that like sacks a creature and goes and gets a better one right, from your deck. which
1: they run like two of maybe yeah um, um Yeah, I actually found the dragon's deck was an easy matchup for me because I have a lot of uh, one-for-one unconditional removal. Mm -hmm. The Vanishing Verse. So it's just like, okay, you you play your dragons, I trade for them one-for-one, and then I do my thing. Mm -hmm. It's a little more powerful. Like, I wasn't even killing the whelps. I'd be like, sure, have your Wow. Everything in your hand is cheaper every turn. It doesn't matter. Wrath of God, see ya. <laughs> Are
0: you and you're getting pinged with your lands every turn? You're, you're getting shocked every turn,
1: yeah. I mean, one game I remember winning against them, I basically just passed the turn. I think I like bounced their um, the dragon that does that
0: town raiser regent. Yeah,
1: I literally bounced it back to their hand, <laughs> and then they did it again, obviously, on a different land. And then finally, when I was ready, it was like, All right, fine, I sacked those two lands, it doesn't matter anymore. And then it's like, Time Warp. <laughs> uh, go get lear lear time warp like whatever <laughs> you know? um and then they just basically concede or i think it was just like oh yeah wrath your board they were able to bounce their own imrith back to their hand mm-hmm. uh and then they recast imrith and then i was like all right don't care time warp go get lear yeah do warp, it go get whatever i want you know like uh and it just felt like that was pretty busted i let them make everything in their hand cheaper Several turns in a row, I let them make me sack two lands and play a bunch of dragons, and none of it mattered. Like this card needs to be changed.
0: <laughs> now you're just showing off. Now you are. You're just making me feel bad. I'm playing these
1: just clarics. Like <laughs> but I got lucky a bit, right? Because I hit really yeah. hit all the best things. Off yeah,
0: yeah, 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 for sure, for sure, for sure. All right, uh historic. What's your favorite historic card? <laughs>
1: So this one I couldn't really answer because I legitimately don't know if I've played Historic since Crimson Vow came out. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I actually am not sure that I have. Um, But I looked through and I was like, what cards do I know? Like, I know certain cards have cracked the Historic metagame from, like, the championship and all that. So I chose uh, Voice of the Blessed. Um, This is, like, the strictly better Ajani's Pride Mate that gets, like, flying vigilance and indestructible. Uh, it costs because double I know it white made though. That, like, green green. Oh yeah, okay, it's not strictly better. Um, even though that card was almost exclusively played in mono white, uh, Johnny's Pride. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm just saying. But, uh, Voice of the I Blessed is really hard to
0: cast sometimes with your lands in the deck that I play. So it's like, fuck this, this fucking card. I can't get it. it True. It's yeah. So annoying.
1: But anyway, sorry. Continue. But I know this made like a combo deck with the Heliod thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, like a viable historic strategy, at least for a little while. I don't know if it still is considered good. Um, but I, I like th- when this kind of card is good because a lot of new players love these cards. I yeah. know that. Like a Johnny's Pride Maid is one of the most played cards on Magic Arena. And so it's nice when it's actually good. Now, I don't want it to be tier one because I don't want to have to run into it literally every single time I play a game. But uh, it's nice when like... You know, new players can get rewarded and be like, hey, this is a good strategy. You know, I'm glad that you like it.
0: Yeah, it's also nice because this card, uh, you play in the Cleric's build that I'm playing in Alchemy, which is an on-board uh into other formats. And if it also is a card you can play in Historic, Bing, Bang, Boom, exactly the kind of Historic sure. card I'm looking for is that you can play oh, well, it in... Well, no
1: wonder you're complaining. You put it in your Esper deck.
0: So to be fair, I didn't build that deck. I just took it from somebody. Um <laughs> But uh, yeah, I'm playing it in Esper. And it's really hard to cast sometimes. Uh, but the only islands I'm playing, it's all pathways and stuff. Pathways and slow lands. So it's like, oh, I just don't have an untapped land for turn two. I can always play it, just not on time. Um, but uh, anyway, my Historic card, I think I'm in the same boat as you, as I haven't really played Historic uh, in a long time. <laughs> but I know that Storm Chase Drake...
1: Just been having fun with Alchemy, but- you know?
0: Yeah, I mean, alchemy's really fun. But uh, Storm, Chase, Drake. This card, it slotted right into auras. Uh, I've seen some deck lists with it. I haven't actually played it in Historic, to be fair. But it did get there, what I wanted it to do. So Because
1: auras needed more draw cards when you play an aura. effects, that's, that's, what, that's what I needed. <laughs>
0: yeah, it needs redundancy. It needs more redundancy. So um you know you need any any board wipe protection it's great love it uh so it's so
1: are the alchemy cards they're legal in historic right
0: yes every card in arena so you
1: could play like key to the archive you could play that in historic correct so technically time warp has kind of slithered its way back <laughs>
0: but do, do you think they <laughs> took time warp out of that <laughs>
1: it's just like it gives you three options but there's a big red x over time warp.
0: yeah it's like okay you band. could you could pick the band card or not um do you want to pick the band card
1: don't be this guy
0: yeah that's gonna be our uh, youtube thumbnail don't be this guy picking the time warp in his story it's banned all right um Yeah. Let's keep moving on. Uh, We do have a really fun one for all of you. I know we talk a lot about decks. We talk a lot about strategies and formats and all those stuff. But sometimes we just like to look at the aesthetics. So, Jeff, what's your favorite art from Crimson Vow?
1: All right. So, for me, this was the Chandra uh, Dressed to Kill alternate art. Mm. The main art is good, too. But... um, Is it? This one, like... (laughs) Sure. I mean, it's good in the sense that, like, it, it's a talented artist. Uh, sure. <laughs> uh, but when I compare them to other works in the set, you know, that's a different story. But certainly hell of a lot better than I can do. Uh, but this one I just really like because, for me, it kind of encapsulates the... I guess the main art has more of the killing, and this one focuses more on the dressed-up kind of thing. And it's just like her entering the wedding in this, like really awesome and amazingly detailed fiery dress. And like the whole piece actually I would say is like kind of amazingly detailed to me and I really like the colors and just everything that's going on.
0: I was gonna pick this one for my favorite art. Um, And I think the reason that I was kind of harsh on the other arts and, and that moment back there was basically because this one tells the story that the card sounds like it's telling which is you're dressed to kill right. and you walk in and you're like on fire and the dress is gorgeous and like everything looks good and it looks like she's just walking in and everyone's talking about her in the background because she's like...
1: And she has like a really, you know, kind of confident look on her face.
0: This one tells the story that she walked in and up, uh, she like, she, she uh, dressed better than the bride is what it, this is telling me. Like, she right, walked yeah. in and looked okay. better than the bride at the wedding, which is a really interesting mm-hmm. story. Uh, now, this did not happen in the story. Go check out our and Vorthos to, to learn about that. But yeah. I do think that this one just looks a lot better. I like the dress in this a lot better than the other one. And in my mind, mm-hmm. Chandra dressed to kill is this art, and the other one does not, is, isn't the same. It's completely different. So
1: Yeah, like, this is the art that I'll, I'll pay gold for if I... If I want to use this yes.
0: card, yes, I one hundred percent. I would want to play. I wouldn't want to play with the other one. I, I'd want to play with this one, which I don't value the you know the paying for cosmetics very much. Uh, so it's it's a big praise. Mm-hmm. Um, so I am kind of piggybacking on yours. I do like yours. I believe this was illustrated by Ekaterina Burmack. Yeah. So it's kind
1: of like the Russian version of the name Catherine. Ekaterina.
0: Oh, Ekaterina. See, that's why I have you here, because you help me with you know, things I should know that I don't know, um, which is most things. Uh,
1: yeah, it's funny. When I was in Russia, there were... I like, forget you
0: were in, in Russia all the time. I always forget and that. And I
1: also know knew a Yulia, which oh, is the yeah. Russian version of the name Julia. Yeah. So I was like, I knew the Russian versions of uh, both of our partners. That's names. pretty funny.
0: <laughs> that's funny. Um, anyway... My favorite art for the set was actually the um, black and white version of um, Eruth Tormented Prophet. Or Erith. Uh I'm not sure how that, her name is I pronounced. I always
1: but read it as Erith, Erith, but I don't know that that's right. All
0: right. <laughs> um, so Aerith Tormented Prophet. Uh, this is the black and white version. So it's, it's kind of like her grasping her face and her eyes are kind of coming out of her head or like melting or like spying. There's demons everywhere. Uh, it's pretty haunting.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and it was illustrated by Paul Jackson. And uh, I hadn't seen it. I'd looked at a bunch of stuff, but once I had uh, seen that you were going to talk about Chandra, I was like, you know, what? I got to find something else. And uh, this one uh, really spoke to me. I like that it, it's kind of in a different world and really represents exactly what it's trying to explain while the other version has haunting bits to it but doesn't bring you into the haunting in the same way where I feel like I'm connected to this this uh, moment. Uh, the other ones look like mm-hmm. a person that is being haunted, and I'm outside watching them being like, that person's fucked up. And this one makes me feel like I'm pretty fucked up right now. So um, so I like that.
1: Yeah, it's definitely a really cool piece. I, I kind of like the the black and white style for the most part mm-hmm. that they did
0: i was also going to jump on the for the most part because there were pieces that are not that are more confusing that i i can't really suss what's happening um right. so i'm not a hundred percent on the uh train of that was a good idea
1: right it's not one of these like styles that's that was better in every case mm-hmm. like some of the you know i, I feel like maybe if we go all the way back to the uh, the storybook cards, the adventure cards. Mm-hmm. Those were... Um, those were like every, pretty much ubiquitously the better version. Yeah, every
0: single time. Um, mm-hmm. Which is also funny. I don't want to talk... Or maybe
1: even the landfall from Zendikar. They were kind those of were really cool always too. Always a little bit nicer. Yeah.
0: Um, with that being said, uh, we did have the Fang frame cards, which were all the vampires mm-hmm. had a Fang frame. Um And to me, uh, I, I didn't love them. Uh, There were certain ones I thought were good, but there is a good hunk of them, including Olivia, which I just didn't like any of the arts for Olivia. Sorry, I don't, I don't want to. Yeah, this isn't a downer. She's like the main
1: character, you know? Yeah,
0: I really thought like, (laughs) that's why Chandra really feels like it like upstages her. That's what the word it upstages mm-hmm. her because all of Olivia's arts on the card really don't convey what we see in some of the other product art. Some of the screens that you see before you're going to draft on arena or your uh, some different things like really convey her being the boss and like it's her fucking event. But on the cards, it feels like it just falls short. Like, Oh, you really missed totally yeah. missed it somehow. I, I just, it made me kind of sad. Um, Obviously, this isn't about being sad, but
1: well, then to to put a positive damper on it, I actually did kind of like the Dracula cards. Oh, than I thought I would, even though I don't have any affiliation with Dracula like personally, mm-hmm. um, which is why I was like I don't know if didn't know if I would like them, but I, I thought all of them pretty much are pretty cool. They
0: are really cool. Um, I think specifically, I liked uh, the Sisters of the Undead was really cool. It really mm-hmm. makes me feel like all of the uh, Dracula's wives. And, um, yeah, they are pretty sweet. I do like Dracula quite a bit and I like vampires in general. So, um, yeah, you're right. I do. And
1: I just like the art for Thalia's, Yeah, uh, like Mina Harker. I, I don't know who that is. Um, but like I, obviously it's a character from Dracula, mm-hmm. but I really like the art. And the, if I was playing Thalia, that'd probably be the piece I would, I would use if I had the option.
0: Yeah. Oh, definitely. Um, I think uh, Mina is the one who's basically, she's like the, um, she's the one who Dracula is kind of influencing to bring her back to his place and all the characters are trying to save her from his
1: uh, uh, okay wrath.
0: At least that's what uh, Bram Stoker's Dracula by uh, Francis
1: Ford Coppola was about, pretty sure. So, uh, anyway, enough about Dracula. It's a very cool art in the set overall though. It wasn't, You know, at first I was like, this is going to be really hard to choose. And then I remembered the alternate art for Chandra. I was like, never mind. That's what I'm going to do.
0: That's exactly what it is. Yep. Uh, Love that one immediately. Uh, All right. (laughs) We are towards the end. But we do need to talk about some shots that we took earlier in this whole (laughs) thing. Um, Spoiler alert. We're going to go through these very quickly because we were wrong about all of them. And the rule is, yeah, and
1: we've already alluded to some of them. Yes,
0: uh, if we were wrong about it, then we don't take a shot. You only get mm-hmm. to take a shot if you were right. So, with that, I'll run through mine, then you can run through yours. But um, blue white auras, I said, was going to be part of the standard meta, even like two point five. It's not even anything, a little bit. Um, it was horrible. It was a bad deck. Didn't work. It's, it's tier infinite. Yeah, it's uh, nothing. Um, in the story, I predicted that Thalia would kill Audric. That didn't happen. Actually, they fought side by side and shoot. Audric. No, Audric. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Anyway, sorry. Whatever.
1: Or Oldrick. Old,
0: ooh, Oldrick, okay. Old-drick. Um. So Thalia, I wanted her to kill Audric because he turned into a vampire. Turns out instead the story was like uh, they fought side by side and he happened to turn into a vampire, but he's actually like a good vampire. Uh, seems a lot less compelling in my mind. Um, and then uh, the five color cleave deck was supposed to be the best draft deck. Did not happen. Um, however, I still have one that is undecided, which is by next year, which Ooh. is next November, something like that, there will be an old tribal deck in Commander. You can play old tribal. <laughs> Every card has the word old in it by next year.
1: There's got to be an old guy in Kamigawa. There's, I think you're, you're on pace for that. I think there
0: will be. I think we're, we're going to find him, whoever it is. But Jeff, what were the shots that you took set.
1: Alright, I started strong with black-white will be the best color pair in Limited. Where, where? Turned out to be a little false. Uh, according to 17 lands, it was the sixth best, uh. so pretty close. Pretty close. <laughs> um. <laughs> and, uh, hey, give me give me a uh, break. I had a 1 in 10 shot there. is true. Uh, and then I said that vampires will be tier 1 in standard and some other tribal deck will be tier 2. My main point was like you'll see a lot more tribal decks uh, at reasonably competitive, like not just on the ladder because people like them, like people are playing them in tournaments. And I was close on this one. I'd say vampires kind of got to tier one and a half, but never really broke into the, you know, the three way that mono white, mono green and blue uh, red spells were having. They didn't, they didn't allow any other entrance. Um, but you know, Vampires got close, and then Zombies, actually, maybe was the best tribal deck in the end. Uh, Mono-black Zombies putting up a good performance at the championship. So That's true. I can't claim a win on this one. I don't get my shot, but uh, I was close. I was really close. Much closer than my other one, at least. Yeah.
0: Um, tell us what you think about our shots and what we, you think we should take shots on for the next set. But, Jeff, I think it's going to be last call. It's getting late. Here we go, Jeff. Last beers of the night. And uh, I got mine picked out, so here we go. Ready on three. Okay, count it up. One, two, three. Triple. Triple. That's right. (laughs) I knew it from last week. I was going to pick the triple because I liked the double so much. So this was, I don't know, what's the math? I think it would have
1: been an interesting battle to put the double up against the triple.
0: It would have been a sloppy evening, but um, I know, I
1: know, I know why we didn't do it. I'm just yeah. saying, like, it it would have been a closer beer fight at the end. I think because when a bel- when a brewery specializes in Belgian beer, you kind of know their double and triples going to be their highlights, and the other yeah. stuff's going to be not that it's bad, but it it's not going to be what they're focusing on. It's not their it's their flagship product. Exactly,
0: and this one, oof. Now, I think what's going to happen is, am I going to like the triple more than the double? Because you would immediately think, yes, of course you would. Why would you not? Um, But maybe, maybe I'm just trying to put a little seed of doubt in you so that it's not completely obvious.
1: (laughs) Uh, I don't know. The double was really good. It was. I would have to taste them next to each other. To, to really make that decision,
0: you're right. Maybe we should go back. Maybe we should do that for next week. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, <laughs> next all week's the right.
1: Silver Series, I think.
0: It might be. You'll have to Spoilers. find out. <laughs> so, before we get into all of the rating and all those things, we should talk about our rating system, which is on a scale from bronze to mythic, which is the same as the tiers in Arena. Look at that. How how funny that's so that's so strange um as always such a coincidence yeah it just happened that way um as always this has nothing to do with the tier you are personally in at this moment uh we're all in different tiers at different times of our lives this is just a fun way to rate beer however bronze beers are absolute trash and garbage and they should be thrown away because they're horrible
1: uh well i'm in bronze in limited right now i'm pretty sure so are you saying i'm I should be thrown out of limited. I'm trying. Oh, no, you said, okay. It's not about me, it's about the beer.
0: It's not about sure. you, yeah, sure. yeah. It's just about the beer,
1: yeah, yeah. All right, cool. Well, then if I were able to make it to silver, silver would be the equivalent of macro brews. So basically, they don't have a lot going on.
0: Yeah, not a ton. Um, gold, which is what I am in in Constructed at the moment, uh, those are fine. You know, it's, you know, respectable, but, you know, you probably won't think about it again, and, you know, you're not really... Super excited about it.
1: Now, my Constructed Rating would be Platinum, Mm. which is higher than gold. Uh, And these are solid beers. You would drink these again.
0: Nice. Uh, So Diamond, which is my limited rank. Just kidding. I'm not in Diamond. (laughs) (laughs) limited. Quick, I
1: need a third ranking system. Oh, my God. Uh,
0: So Diamond beers are fantastic. You love them. This is some of the beers that you like. Uh, Think about, you recommend these to all your friends because you you really like this beer. It's great.
1: And Mythic is the absolute best of the best. These are like in your top five beers, maybe top ten, if you're pushing it. And you would recommend these to absolutely anyone.
0: All right. So, for the record, last week we had the double. Spoiler alert. We said it was Diamond. So, Mm -hmm. this triple. Is it going to be good enough to crack up to Mythic? Or where's it going to go? Is it going to be Silver? <laughs> Just kidding. We both played it, obviously. so we actually, like I
1: actually have it. this in Bronze, uh, and the other one in Super Bronze. In Super Bronze. I have the other one in, like, hasn't installed the game yet.
0: Mm-hmm. The other one is playing Gathering the Magic.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. And losing a lot because I'm on his friends list. I yeah, think. fuck. Um, <laughs> uh yeah i'll start with this one uh this is good it the the one thing i'll say is when i took a sip of this it didn't necessarily remind me of the double now maybe it's just because it's been a week and i don't really remember what the double tasted like but generally like if you have a double and a triple they kind of follow the same lines uh have a similar flavor profile maybe and does this one kind of surprised me because it for whatever reason, didn't taste like I expected it to.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, but that being said, it's still good. And I really like it. Um, it has the nice fruity flavors that I expect from a triple has that quality of like, you only recognize that it's 8% when you're halfway through and you're like, what am I saying right now? Uh, <laughs> so, which is a, a classic Belgian triple. If you if you ever had one, you know, you know the feeling I'm talking about. Um, But it's tough for me to put this in Mythic because I I stack it up to one of my favorite beers that I do have in Mythic, which is also a Belgian triple. Uh, And I think I've even put it in Mythic on the show before Femme du Monde. Mm -hmm. And I don't like this one as much as I like that one. Maybe that's just like I'm used to that one. And so, you know, uh, nothing's going to top it because that's just the one I like nevertheless that's the one i like so uh i think this one's gotta slot into diamond again for me yeah i
0: definitely agree i don't like lafayne dumont or sorry i don't like this more than lafayne dubon and um i actually think that this one definitely punches me in the face with the alcohol i feel it immediately and that's to me it does taste similar to the double but with more alcohol which is kind of what i was expecting oh okay um but I can definitely taste the difference of the alcohol uh, in this one. Um, that doesn't knock it.
1: We went opposites on that one.
0: Yeah, kind of weird. <laughs> I don't know. It's very strange. But um, it doesn't knock it to me um, where normally I'd be like, this might be over-alcoholized. I don't know if that's a word. But, um uh, definitely in wine it can it can be something i I don't we look just for. say
1: not not balanced. not yeah. balanced
0: there you go yeah, that, that's right. and that it's just a little, a little too heavy on the alcohol it,
1: it, uh, it the flavors fall away and the alcohol punches them down. Um, I think generally we say it's too dry, right? Is that what you would say in wine?
0: uh no, because i I don't know if that's necessarily what I would say usually i'm I'm equating dryness to the tannins in the wine. And the alcohol okay. is just like a different flavor, kind of that comes out. When I
1: think of a dry beer, I imagine like a beer that someone brewed and then right before they fermented it, they just dumped a bunch of like sugar into it, and so oh. I, the sugar will get eaten up by the the yeast and uh, yeast mm-hmm. and produce more alcohol, but it won't really add any beer flavor or body because it's wasn't the naturally produced sugars of the grains. Interesting. And so to me, that's what like a dry beer is basically over alcohol, alcoholized or, or just like over implies that it's bad, but like you can have a really nice dry beer where the dryness was a good idea. Mm -hmm. But that's what I think of when I think of it. Yeah.
0: I mean, ultimately beer is liquid, so I don't know how it's dry, but
1: (laughs) just, um, so the word dry is always misused when it comes to liquids. anyways. Yeah. Yeah.
0: But no, that's interesting. I don't think I've ever, um, specifically thought about that, that event. I usually don't think of beer in general as being dry. Um, so I like, I like that definition as really, uh, visceral. I can grab onto that idea of what that means. Um, and, uh, I would, I, this one doesn't feel dry to me, but, um, I can definitely taste the alcohol, which I don't think is a bad thing. Cause I am someone who likes tasting alcohol cause I drink it on purpose. And, um, yeah, so I'm going to stick this in diamond. Um, though, if I go back to the, the brewery, I think I'm still with you. Like I would probably do like hey could i get a taste of the double and the triple next to each other i think i might go for the double i I might
1: might go for the double if i had to in the dark
0: if i went like
1: i guess not in the dark because i've tried them both but i haven't tried them next to each other so if i went now and i couldn't get the tasters of both i would get the double first yeah maybe man
0: i really liked the double a lot and this one i think is really good but also, the you know, I'm getting old, man. This is the year. I'm getting super old. You're <laughs> old now. You're an old man. I'm going to be an old man soon. Uh, 7.9 might yeah, be too geez. much, you know? Like, getting there. But um, uh, especially, like, I could drink a double and be like, chill. The triple might be too much on a regular night. Um, on a Monday. <laughs> anyway. Um, but no, I thought it was great. The Day star. Um, what did you think about the Daystar?
1: I thought it was, uh, good, like a good blonde ale, but I didn't feel like it was particularly Belgian, I guess. Um, it just felt like a blonde ale to me. Maybe there were some fruity notes, but a lot of blonde ales just kind of have that now. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. For me, it felt like this was just a a fairly well-made kind of standard blonde.
0: Yeah. Um, I could definitely taste some sort of Belgianness to it. However, it wasn't something that I cared for in the Blondale, uh, which, uh, pushed... I think
1: they just used a Belgian yeast, which mm-hmm. a lot of, like, American breweries do now anyways. So
0: yeah, it, um, it had some qualities for beers that, um, are fine to me, which gives me a gold all over the, the place. Um, yeah, I would drink this if it was around, I think I liked it a little
1: better than you. I think yeah. I'll put this one platinum, but, uh kind of on that border i was thinking like low platinum for this
0: yeah if i go back to get the double i'm not going to pick up daystar so it's probably my i'd probably pick up both double and triple. (laughs) if i go back i'll
1: probably just just get like a six pack of the double yeah
0: (laughs) that's probably what's going to happen um i'll actually get some of the the special belgian nail uh i i liked the other ones i had so um uh, from or, or
1: i'll wait for you to order the double and then i'll order the triple to look like a big <laughs> make me look like a little <laughs>
0: little bitch um yeah anyway oh, like
1: he's too old for triples
0: perfect so we got some diamonds he a platinum and a so. gold this week but jeff i think it's time for closing time closing time, closing time. as always you can reach us at arena regulars on twitter and instagram
1: you may also find us on MTG Arena under the username Arena Regulars Podcast.
0: If you want to talk to me personally, Zach, that's my name, uh, you can find me at Zulberg, that is Z E U L B E R G on Twitter and Instagram. But Jeff, where can they find you? You
1: can find me at Blues MTG on Twitter. Uh, it's spelled like it sounds.
0: Also, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and iTunes. We really appreciate that, um, as well as follow us on YouTube. Look at our draft videos, leave us a comment, give us a like. Um, it's really great for us, and we would love to hear your feedback. This has been the Arena Regulars.
1: Reminding you that a bomb-heavy limited format is not a bad format. Good night. <sighs> All
0: right, that's fine.